Welcome, Bankless Nation, back to this third episode of the ETH CC experience. In this episode, we're talking with Uri and Ellie of the Starkware team. And this is coming off of their StarkNet token announcement, which is, of course, the subject matter of this particular episode. But not the only subject matter, of course. There are many different things to talk about. I get their perspective on the ZK EVMs that were released, not from the Starkware team, but from three other competitors all happen to get their ZK EVM release in the same week. Scroll, Polygon, and ZK Sync. But since you know Starkware is peripheral to this, they are a ZK rollup, I get their perspectives on this whole role and where they fit into this conversation. Uh, of course, like I said, ask about the Starkware token and then just really clear the air as to where will Starkware be in the future? Are they ever going to make their own layer one? Are they ever going to use a, an alternative layer one other than Ethereum? And I'm too good at producing content to tell you that answer here in the intro. So I'm gonna wait for you to find that one out in the actual show. So let's go ahead and get to that show. But first we're gonna speed run the sponsors all here right now so we don't have to interrupt the conversation later on. So here that goes. And we're gonna start with Rocket Pool. Rocket Pool is Ethereum's decentralized validator network where you deposit ETH and you get our ETH in return and you can take that our ETH into DeFi. And if you run a node, you let other people deposit their ETH into your node and you get to charge them 15% for staking rewards as payment for your node operating services. And then you can take that our ETH and use the Across Bridge to join over $2.3 billion in the Arbitrum ecosystem. Across, of course, is the fastest, cheapest, and most secure cross-chain bridge and one of the safest ways to bridge your hard-earned assets in the world of crypto. And of course, Arbitrum is where you want to be. With over 35,000 contracts and 1 million unique addresses, Arbitrum is leading the way into the age of rollups. You know how I know these numbers? Because I watched the Arbitrum's talk at ECC, which you should also go watch, but not before you're done watching this. But when you do watch that video, make sure it's on a privacy-first browser, which is why you should be using Brave. It blocks all the browser ads, it's got a native Web3 wallet, and it puts the user first the Web3 way. You know what else puts the user first? Ledger hardware wallets and the Ledger Live ecosystem. I know Ledger is a great product because I have literally nine of them and I have 99% of my crypto assets on my Ledger wallets. And the Ledger Live ecosystem is all you really need when it comes to living a bankless life, such as buying with fiat, swapping, and staking. But for the rest of you that are sitting on stable coins because the market is scary right now, make sure you're using a decentralized bankless stable coin. May I suggest Dai from MakerDAO, the most tried and tested stable coin in existence. But with Maker, you don't have to hide your stables on the Ethereum layer one. Maker is building Dai portals so you can mint Dai natively across all the layer twos so you can make sure that your assets don't go down another 90%, but you still get to go do all the DeFi things across the L2-verse. And I hope you use all of these sponsors on your quest for going bankless. And now I bring you my in-person conversation with Uri and Ellie of the Starkware team. Ellie and Uri of Starkware, what's up guys? How's it going? Hi, hi. Hi, pretty good. Yeah? Exciting. Uh, is this your, your guys' not your first ETCC, certainly. Actually, it is mine, but Yours? it has been here a few times. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, at least three. Yeah? How do you like the city? How do you like Paris? Amazing. What's not to love? I hear they have good food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the current state of the crypto world, we're in this like bear market, whether or not you think Ether at 1500 or Bitcoin at 22,000, wherever it is, is a bear market is up to be decided. But the current like meta that we've going into is that we need to build our way out of the bear market. We're not going to just like magically come out of it. We have to actually do something to get out of it. Uh, and Starkware has certainly been heads down. Guys, of course, started with StarkX, the proprietary uh, app-specific chains, we would call them. Uh, but we are now going into the more generalizable ZK rollups, uh, which is what we're doing with uh, StarkNet. So let's talk about StarkNet first, because that's the thing that's getting everyone super excited. Where would you say in the grand roadmap of StarkNet, 
where are we and where are we about to be soon? We think about this in terms of, of, of three phases, overlapping phases. The first phase is the feature completeness or the feature phase. Uh, we're pretty far down the road there. People have been able for a, a good number of months now to build whatever they want um, on uh, StarkNet. The second phase is uh, what we refer to as sort of the scalability phase. And there the intent is by the end of the year to uh, reach 10 times Ethereum's throughput at a hundredth of the transaction cost. And the third phase, which started a long time ago, the decentralization effort, uh, and this is a gradual phase, and we're making sort of incremental progress there, day in, day out. Uh, this will culminate in the ability of anyone, anywhere, being able to run a prover or a sequencer on StarkNet. Mm -hmm. There's a, a recent tweet uh, from John Adler, which was pretty funny, because Polygon just announced their uh, ZK EVM, and then Scroll announced their testnet, and then ZK Sync is like, no, we were first. Uh, so there's like a, a lot of hype around uh, a ZK EVM. I'm wondering where does uh, StockNet fit into this whole story? Okay, we're proud of the actual in-production achievements mm -hmm. that we made. I actually do not want to go into this fight of who did something first. We have been operating in production for now more than two years uh, using what some people call ZK technology. We prefer to use the Fluidity technology because it actually is not ZK. So... You know, our numbers and performance speak for themselves, so we prefer not to enter this fight but uh, or pick who is the real first. We've been at it for a pretty long time, and I think uh, the world, especially developers, knows this. Does StarkNet fit into a ZK EVM, or is that something else? So I, I do want to add that on the, on the ZK EVM front, I think that the excitement is terrific. I think we're all uh, sort of uh, waiting for the real production systems mm -hmm. to be out there with proofs turned on, etc., uh, we have yet uh, to see that, and that's a, a, a big achievement we're looking forward to. I would add that in the context of StarkNet, uh, one of the things that a, a bunch of people have expressed interest in, and I think we're likely to see, is people deploying an emulation of the EVM as a Layer 3 settling on uh, mm. StarkNet, which would be sort of uh, Escher-esque in nature, right? StarkNet mm. settling over right. Ethereum with, e with its EVM, and then the EVM being simulated as verifiable computation layer three onto uh, StarkNet. To what extent will that draw the attention and excitement of developers is a very interesting open question in my mind. Okay, so is that where we get the EVM expressivity built on StarkNet is like, would, it would be a layer three, not a, not a layer two? Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. so the technical details are, is something that challenges me and my, my understanding. So StarkNet, not a ZK EVM, but you could do a ZKV EVM as a layer three on StarkNet, is that correct? I want to clarify something that, sure. that getting, uh, emulating the Ethereum virtual machine, mm -hmm. which is what is often referred to as ZK EVM, is not StarkNet's end goal. Right. Our end goal is to provide the best scaling solution for Ethereum. And we strongly believe, based on our deep understanding of both EVM and how to build Stark systems, that you are far better off in terms of scaling if you use a different uh, virtual machine, and ours is Cairo. Mm -hmm. So I think what's going to happen is that even though you can emulate EVM inside Cairo, and this will happen, the real scale will be derived from native StarkNet Cairo-written uh, smart contracts. Okay, so a lot of developers talk with very frustrated tones about the EVM. It limits them. There's, it doesn't. Uh, it's not parallel. Uh, I know some of these words. 
Uh, I just generally know that developers feel very limited by the capacity of the EVM. If I'm uh, tracking correctly, Cairo is something far more optimal and also more expressive and allows something like, like the EVM, which people are all already familiar with, but also much more than the EVM to also achieve scalability while also having the Ethereum security. I, I actually beg to differ in the following okay. sense. First of all, I think EVM, Ethereum, and Solidity are amazing. They are what delivered the gold standard mm -hmm. for a general computation blockchain. And Solidity was, and the EVM were built under this set of constraints that says we need a Turing-complete programming language that will be best fit for blockchains. And it's an amazing achievement of Vitalik and you know anyone who worked on it in the early days and advanced it since then, Gavin Wood and others, anyone who was involved in this. This is amazing. Now, for better or worse, when you build scalability through validity rollups, and in particular Starks, you just have a very different set of constraints. Mm -hmm. And you need, for scaling, you need a different virtual machine model. So Cairo and StarkNet, they are not better than Ethereum. Sure. They are built to address a different set of constraints to allow Ethereum to scale. I, I want to add to that, that the question of, of, say, assuming the existence of highly performant ZK EVMs, okay, mm -hmm. say five years out, the question of whether at that point in time, if you're a new developer building some massive hit uh, whether specifying, you know, coding that for the ZK EVM makes sense or not is an interesting question, meaning that code as such, almost by definition, will not run on a layer one. It will be too computationally intense right. for a layer one. And so at that point, will that be the optimal tool chain for whatever scaling solution, you know, is developer's first choice? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's an open question. And certainly Stark X, the first implementation of Starkware, has generated some absolute hits. Immutable has blossomed into an ecosystem and just seems like ready to roll into the, like the world of traditional gamers with traditional gaming companies. And so their BD skills are absolutely insane. Uh, we had um, For sure. DYDX, uh, one of the biggest volume exchanges in all of crypto that's also decentralized because of StarkX. I'd like to take a peek into the world of BD for Starkware. Like, how do you guys get this done? And why do you guys have so many killer hits? Well, um, we actually don't think of ourselves in those terms, meaning mm -hmm. we, we would really like to be the technology developers that we are mm -hmm. by nature. Uh, and so focus on the research and then the engineering effort and the product effort. But at the end of the day, uh, hopefully leave it to the people building on top of us to blossom and profit and you know, sort of build all sorts of innovative stuff on and bring it out there. And as you mentioned, Immutable is a wonderful example. DYDX is, of course, they've really built a powerhouse uh, uh, with the help of StarkX. Mm -hmm. And Sorare is a very interesting uh, sort of uh, real-world application mm -hmm. that many people have told us feels like Web2. I know of no bigger compliment mm -hmm. than someone saying to us that felt like Web2. I want to add that um, even though I thank you for the compliment of like doing amazing on yeah. BD and having so many successful uh, companies deploying on it, and of course we're very proud of that, um, our feeling is that even just the StarkX systems have so much untapped uh, capacity mm -hmm. um, that we would love far more companies and entities to deploy on them. And uh, I don't know, if you're out there and you need scale and you like what DYDX or Sorare or Mutable have been doing, then definitely talk to us. There's a lot more room on StarkX. I, I mean, you know, I think StarkX is wonderfully useful for the, you know, the use cases that we've envisioned. You know, for example, minting and trading of NFTs and so on. The mind-blowing stuff is, once again, we see that day in, day out, is the stuff that we never thought of and no one else 
thought possible that developers are building on StarkNet. And certainly StarkNet and that generalizability and composability is where that serendipity happens between yep. DeFi apps, right? We all love the word composability in this industry. Yep. Um, but I'm getting a hint that you guys think that the StarkX side of things, the more like app-specific chains that are built for one company, each one at one time, also still have a lot of potential left in oh, them that no, is, there is, is no left. Doubt. Can you talk about that a little bit? What's left well, on the Well, I, I, I can't announce. Uh, we won't go into the announcement of an announcement of an announcement mm -hmm. game. But uh, there are a whole bunch of things in the pipeline on the StarkX mm -hmm. front that's going to come online in the coming period, which is very, very interesting. Once again, limited to the use cases supported by StarkX. Say a bit about L3. So, you know, StarkX is going to move up to layer three. So, so what is layer three? Ah, right. Which is another Starkware innovation. Yes, is another Starkware innovation. Recursive Starks are coming to mainnet to support our production systems in a short number of days. But uh, so what is layer three? So instead of having the StarkX systems uh, that today are proven off-chain and then verified by a smart contract on Ethereum, Instead of the, having that verification done on Ethereum, it could be done on the public Stark net. Mm -hmm. And by merit of doing it on the public Stark net, you could sort of conceive of these applications as having moved one layer up. And that's why we refer to this as layer three. So the, I think the first things we're going to see at layer three are the Stark X instances. And for those applications, the benefit is trivial. For one, it's just lower gas spending. So uh, better economics for them and their users. I think we're going to see a lot of excitement on layer three with uh, custom Stark nets. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of sort of the app specific action is going to take place. I think it's going to strike a very interesting balance between offering sort of, uh, sort of the best of both worlds, meaning the best of decentralization and uh, censorship resistance and general computation mm -hmm. and composability. And yet at the same time, offering those applications, the certain degrees of control that they deeply care for, which are essentially taken away from them on a public chain. And it doesn't matter whether that public chain is Ethereum or the public StarkNet. There's been growing interest in the Cosmos ecosystem lately. For sure. And this starts to look a little bit like, like Cosmos, right? For sure, right? for Where sure. This was, yes, yes. This is a vision that Zaki uh, described to us I, I, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the strategy is you have the generalized settlement layer which most people assume I'm talking about Ethereum, but you, you guys are actually talking about, about StarkNet, the DK rollup that is the foundation for the layer threes, the more proprietary StarkXs, right? Well, it's a two-layer sort of foundation, right? There's Ethereum mm -hmm. providing its security uh, and support at the bottom. That's the, the massive, those are the, the, the shoulders of uh, the giants we're standing right. on. And on top of that, we have the public StarkNet, on top of which the layer threes are going to mm -hmm. be instantiated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's... Uh, a growing uh, conversation in the Ethereum community is like, okay, well, all these Stark X or like general layer three settling on the, the StarkNet layer two makes uh, StarkNet uh, its own ecosystem, its own vibrant, vibrant ecosystem. Uh, and also, you guys released the, the token details, which we'll talk about in a second. The token had native fees uh, payment in its own token as opposed to something like Arbitrum or Optimism, which take fees in Ether. And so there's a growing conversation in the Ethereum space about is is the StarkNet layer two interested in actually becoming its own kind of sovereign chain that uh, disconnects from the Ethereum layer one? The technical details, I'm a, a little escape me as to how this would work, but is that a future world that we might see? Where absolutely the, not. No, we, we we do not foresee this. We're not. We don't. We don't have any plans for such a thing. We are relying in so many aspects on mm -hmm. Ethereum 
that's our strategic decision from day one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a four year old strategic decision. Yeah, yeah. There's no plans for the Stark net to become its own layer one. What about settling upon a different layer one, like in addition to Ethereum, setting a light? We, we've been approached many times oh, I'm by sure. <laughs> any, anyone uh, uh, you can think of. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our answer is simple and straightforward. You know, we're a layer two on Ethereum. Uh, that's what we've been building for years now. And we're very proud of that. You know, so this is where we are. We're, you know, this is where we're at. This is where we exist. What are the properties of Ethereum that really make that true? Like, what about Ethereum keeps you so aligned with it? Well, two things. Fundamentally, culturally, okay, mm -hmm. there's this developer uh, focus and mindset, and that's a sentiment we share, and uh, that's something that sort of runs in our veins. And we're very happy to see in that regard the fast-growing ecosystem around StarkNet, which is really sort of developer-focused and developers first. Mm -hmm. That's really top of mind for us. At a more technical, or call it technical economic level, the security offered by Ethereum is unmatched, right? Mm -hmm. There's just, uh, cannot be compared with anything else other than, I don't know what, Bitcoin. I want to add to that that uh, everything about our team and our technology and the way we work is about future-proofing. So the technology is the most future-proof of all the um, you know options of uh, proof systems out there. And the most future-proof layer one we see today is Ethereum. So it's a very obvious choice. Yeah, certainly the idea of assurances is very, very important in crypto. Settlement assurances, but also just assurances that the ecosystem that you build yes. upon sticks around for yep, the long term. For sure. And so, especially in these very nascent years of crypto, I mean, we're 12 years into it, but, you know, we know that this is a century-long endeavor. For Having sure. long-term assurances is super, super important. Of course. Okay, so let's get into the details of the token, because the, the token was recently announced. And I have to start with this. Suzu accidentally leaked, well, not accidentally, he leaked the details of the token, and then the token blogs, which were already, seems like they were already ready to go, were released 24 hours later. Was Suzu anything to do with the timing of when those articles went yeah, out? So, yeah, um, unfortunately, uh, it had nothing to do with it, meaning that yeah. was actually the game plan. Mm -hmm. And as you indicate uh, from the three-part series, this was uh, well thought out. Right. Yeah, maybe no one will believe us, but the target <laughs> date many weeks before was July 13, Wednesday. If, and if, we're working let, yeah, towards it. it so, I'd but, like uh, to hire anyone who can produce that kind of content right, in 24, 24 hours. hours. Yeah. That, yeah. that sort of clarity of thought and, uh -huh. and expression. Yeah, yeah. And, and get everyone to sign off on it, yeah, you know, yeah. inside the team. Yeah. Did you, guys, did you guys feel like rugs by Suzu for, for no, releasing this? No, no, no. I, I, I think, you know, I think they're in a situation of extreme distress sure. in sort of uh, a finance class, mm -hmm. you know, that you're taught about the cost of distress. Uh, we're seeing this sort of extreme behavior. Uh, sure. Unfortunate. Um, There's a part of the Ethereum community is actually very happy about the things that have gone down with Ethereum's capital because they think that the decentralization of StarkNet is super important. And so they're actually kind of happy to see the tokens that Three Arrows Capital owns to be distributed amongst almost anyone else other than Three Arrows Capital. Is this a sentiment that you guys share or I, any thoughts on this? I got to say uh, the schadenfreude is not something that I sort of, uh, mm -hmm. I can't sort of. Uh, sure. But, but on a more like formal and technical level, the whole um, legal process that is mm -hmm. unfolding with Three Hours is not something that we are you know, in control of right. or aware of all right. its details. Merely or, or party to, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, uh, we are... Uh, mm -hmm. So, about the actual token launch. So, let, let's run through the next 
weeks, months of StarkNet and the token and the, the roadmap for that. Can you guys, uh, for people that haven't read, read the blog post or perhaps they only consume data through uh, yeah. video and audio, what's the roadmap, what's the launch process for this token? Okay, so 10 billion tokens have been minted and their allocation has commenced. Mm -hmm. Allocation has begun to investors, mm -hmm. to core contributors, which include Starkware employees, consultants, and developer partners. In parallel to that, a foundation is being set up that once it is set up, I mean, it is being allocated slightly over 50% of mm -hmm. the tokens. And those tokens are going to be used both for user-driven rebates and provisions, around 18% in total of all of the 10 billion tokens. In addition, there are grants and the foundation is going to have a strategic reserve and other things that you also see in other layer twos and in other chains. Now, this is being done right now. So the foundation is being set up now. By September, the tokens which are now off-chain are going to be placed on-chain in an ERC-20 token. All of the tokens that thus far have been allocated to investors, core contributors, are going to have a four-year schedule of release, a one-year cliff, and then gradual release beyond that. Looking a little bit later on, Shortly after they are placed on-chain, they will be requested for governance and voting on upgrades to the network uh, operating system. And then next year, at uh, some point, we will transition to allowing fees and then demanding fees be paid only in the StarkNet token. And further down the line, within 2023, these tokens will be used for staking for the purpose of participating in consensus and leader election for operating in a decentralized way the system. And so the economic model that I've come to like understand generally about layer two tokens, like Optimism, Arbitrum, not, they don't have their token yet, but I'm assuming it's going to follow this path too, is that you stake the token to validate the chain. Same thing with Ether on the layer one for Ethereum. But the difference between the Stark net token and the other concepts or strategies of the layer twos is that layer twos, optimism, arbitrum, at least the generalized optimistic rollups, pay for the transaction fees in Ether. But the difference here with StarkNet is that you pay for the transaction fees in the StarkNet token. What's the thought or strategy behind this? Like, why this decision? Uh, well, our focus, as I mentioned earlier, our focus is on developers and developers first. Mm -hmm. And we believe that this mechanism that we've put in place that would allow people to pay via paymasters to pay ETH for transaction fees but the native token of this layer uh, will be the StarkNet token. We think that this creates an economic ecosystem that would give developers the environment that they need to build and thrive in. We think that long-term, this is the healthier ecosystem that needs to be built. I want to just add a few more details. So it's really important for us that developers further down the line experience inclusivity, which means, you know, suppose there's probably someone She's now in college or, you know, maybe high school and three years down the line, she's going to write some amazing smart contract that's going to be really important and valuable. And now how are we going to find a way for her to have a say in the governance, for her to participate in operating the network? Well, uh, the mechanism we want to come up with, and we're very proud of trying to innovate on that as well, is one in which a portion of the fees, and these are 
governance tokens, right, and also used for staking for operating the system, are going to flow automatically to smart contracts as a portion of the fees being paid. So now this imaginary smart contract developer, she will start receiving tokens that allow her to participate in the governance and in operating the system, which can only be done mm -hmm. if you have a native token and demand the fees to be paid in it. That's why we're doing it. Certainly. Certainly. And uh, we're, of course, like I started this interview, in this bear market, which is also a build market, and we need to build our way out of it. And so just lay down the vision for how you hope that StarkNet progresses. Where, where are we in six months? Where are we in six years? Where are we in six months? I think where we were six months ago, where are we in six years? Mm -hmm. Same answer. Mm -hmm. Writing code, deploying systems, educating developers, onboarding more people into the blockchain ecosystem, into the broader Ethereum ecosystem. That's where we want to be. In six years, maybe also hardware. <laughs> <laughs> May well be. May Not well just be. software. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your ECC and thank you. enjoy play. So, so thank you for coming on yeah, yeah. and joining us. And don't forget the sunscreen. I think it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Okay. Cheers, guys. Okay. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. Thanks.